You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Um... I think that's how that goes. It's It's been a while, sadly. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Andrews from jaysfromthecouch.com. Back with you to talk Blue Jays and talk World Series, which we haven't done in a little bit. Uh, not going to get into the specifics as to why that happened, but there have been some rough developments uh, on this side of the things from the host. So it has led to a lapse in coverage, which we will rectify today, starting with a double header of podcasts for you today. We are going to talk about Charlie Montoyo and everything he brings to the Blue Jays since the Blue Jays got their manager during our little break. Uh, in the second half, we're going to talk about the roster he inherits, what he plans to do with that roster, his mentality. We're going to go over a lot of things in that second half that will be coming out later today. But uh, the first episode today is going to focus on the World Series and Boston just steamrolling Los Angeles in the end. Any time Los Angeles couldn't push it to 18 innings, just Boston had their numbers. So we're going to talk about what the Blue Jays can learn from the results of the World Series. And we're going to focus on a couple of former Jays that turned out making to be making the biggest impact for the Red Sox in this series. And we'll talk about the presumptive MVP in the second segment of this first episode. But we're going to start with the man who won World Series MVP, the guy who was traded away for Santiago Espinal, the man affectionately known as Sleeve, Steve Pierce, was named World Series MVP for the Red Sox. And if if you had placed a wager at the start of the season that Steve Pierce would win World Series MVP, I think everyone would have laughed at you. Except for the one person who's like really into Nostradamus, like, teach me your ways. And then, you know, you could start your own cult. So that's that's something you should have thought of back in April. But then if you thought of it in April again, you might actually be Nostradamus. So yeah, Steve Pierce comes into Boston. And there were some great stories shared about Steve Pierce. Um, Arashma Danny actually tweeted about how Pierce found out that he was being traded to Boston at Josh Donaldson's bowling event. It's like, I don't want to go. And Ross Atkins just, just takes him aside and say, Hey, go win a world series. And yeah, darned if Steve Pierce didn't do exactly that for the team that actually drafted him after his junior year in college. And then didn't sign him. He went back into the draft. He was drafted in the 10th round by Boston in 2004. And then picked again by Pittsburgh in 2005 in the 8th round. But yeah, the circuitous 
I, <laughs> that is a tough word to say when you're coming off a bit of a break. Circuitous path for Steve Pierce to this new level of fame that I don't think he was really expecting, to be honest. From what I've heard from, from fans and interacting with him, Steve Pierce a very quiet, shy guy. You know, he's a grinder, just puts his head down, does work. It was on display in the World Series where he hits that home run in Game 4 and everyone's celebrating and yeah, yeah. And then like in, like 30 seconds later, he's in the dugout giving like the death stare to the field. Very, very quiet, intense guy like that. So for him to have this kind of moment in the sun, this David Freeze-like moment for him, I... You you think it it can't happen to a better person? It'll be interesting to see how Steve Pierce deals with it. It's it's definitely going to help his situation heading into free agency because who doesn't want a former World Series MVP on their roster? And in in all likelihood, he could resign with Boston very easily. He'll he'll get a pay raise from the six million he made this year, which I do want to touch on that right quick because a lot of the reaction I saw from Blue Jays fans as I was monitoring Twitter during the World Series. I was still active. So as as I was seeing that, I saw a lot of fans just like, eh, how could we trade Steve Pierce? Oh, you only got a short step for him. And you should sign him. No. Just no. No, no, no. First of all, Steve Pierce was redundant on the Blue Jays, on a team that had Kendris Morales at first, had Justin Smoke at first, had Brandon Drury to play corner outfield, had a glut of outfielders coming up in the system of Dwight Smith Jr., Anthony Alford. There was absolutely no place for Steve Pierce on that Blue Jays team now or in the future. And it made absolutely no sense to keep... It's why he was the first person gone when the Blue Jays started up their fire sale. Because they knew he would be able to go. He would be a better fit somewhere else. And yeah, again, there was no reason to keep him there. So the Blue Jays getting what they did for him is really good. The Blue Jays trading him and letting him be this shining star on the greatest baseball stage... That's great for him, too. It, it's part of what makes the Blue Jays a good organization player-wise, and it's what makes players want to come to this organization, is that they do right by their players. This front office has shown it will move players into better positions if they think it's best for them. Did it with John Birdie earlier this year. Did it with uh, Wade LeBlanc a couple years ago. They will put players in a position to succeed, and that helps draw free agents in because you, you know it's an organization that's going to do what's best for the player. And Steve Pierce did what was best for Boston, especially after Hanley Ramirez was cut loose and providing that first base platoon with Mitch Moreland and giving them that threat against left-handed batters. And again, just, just being able to watch Steve Pierce do that and kind of take the spotlight there. It's very well-deserved. You, he led the offense for the Red Sox at eight RBIs, batted three thirty-three, the three home runs, all in games four or five. Obviously nailing the coffin shut on the Dodgers for the second straight year. And where he goes in free agency will be interesting. Like I said, I 
see him re-signing in Boston. I think he makes too much sense platooning with Mitch Moreland. And if he does, I that's great. I, I will root against him again in the regular season. But for now, I'm just going to enjoy that facet of Boston winning. Even though I, I predicted and was, you know, pulling for the Dodgers to end their lengthy drought. But, you know, Steve Pierce made that defeat a lot more palatable just the way he performed. So we'll talk about the person who people think should have gotten World Series MVP right after this break. Okay. So, again, Steve Pierce talked about first segment, won the World Series MVP, but a lot of people were arguing that a different former Blue Jay should have gotten the award. And, yeah, he was a Blue Jay for about two months, two-plus months, if you include the playoffs. But the 2018 postseason marked a watershed moment for David Price. Price pitched in three of the five games, started two of them, gave the Red Sox 13 and two-thirds innings, that's almost double what any other pitcher gave the Sox in this series outside of Nathan Nivaldi. And he was great. 198 ERA, struck out 10 batters, and his whip was below one. He was just coming out there and throwing up scoreless frames at a rate that he had never done in the playoffs before. And a lot of people made note of him fooling around that bullpen session and essentially abandoning his cut fastball and using his changeup more dominantly. And that is a smart move to make. It's, it's a move that saved Marco Estrada's career going to that changeup. And David Price being able to take it at this stage in his career, because he, he is starting to get up there. He's 33. Uh, signed that big contract with the Red Sox a couple years ago. So if he is moving forward in his career and trying to prolong his career, actually moving to that changeup is going to be vital in extending it. And doing so in the playoffs just added a unique wrinkle that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. And, you know, it's it's serendipitous that he found it in the playoffs because if he had debuted this enhanced reliance on the changeup in the regular season, that would have been scouted. They would have figured out, like, okay – Price has thrown his changeup more, so so you could sit back on the changeup a little bit. But by doing so in the playoffs, it it added that kind of unpredictability. And I think the Red Sox were able to use very well. And and Alex Cora, we'll we'll give mention to Alex Cora here. The way he used his entire pitching staff throughout the playoffs was Remarkable and, and almost revolutionary the way he had Rick Porcello coming out for eight inning appearances. We had Chris Sale coming out to close game five. He embraced that that belief of, of using all hands on deck. Saw that in the, in the 18 inning game three when he had his starter, Nathan Eovaldi, go out and throw six innings. And again, jack his free agent value up as well. Did not deserve to take the loss in that, but being able to have the trust to go out and and tap Eduardo Rodriguez on the shoulder, who did make an appearance in that game three, say, hey, you're starting game four. And 
you know, getting getting a solid five innings out of him. Just the way Alex Cora was able to push buttons on this squad was first rate. And it we'll talk about it a little more in the third segment because I don't want to derail too much from what David Price did. And but yeah, having that faith to go to David Price in game five and say, You're you're going out there to do this. And David Price delivering and and finally getting that that playoff monkey off his back and just adding it adding another one to Clayton Kershaw's back. Clayton's got an entire zoo riding on his shoulders now. But for David Price to go out there and just just be himself, be free, he knows he's he's clear in Boston forever. He can play as much Fortnite as he wants and just just kinda relax a little bit. I I think that's huge for him and and going forward it's gonna be huge for extending his career. Like like that change up alone is probably gonna add another three years onto the end of his career just because he can now mix that in and just keep hitters off balance like that. Will will he be the Cy Young guy? Probably not, but he doesn't have to be on the team that has Chris Sale. Doesn't have to be on a team that has Rick Porcello. The I he can go out there and and just pitch himself. And that that's probably more valuable for him than the World Series ring that he won. Just just kind of going out there and being free. I I know Blue Jays fans don't have a lot of warm fuzzies for David Price. Again, he only spent 2 months in Toronto was great. You don't go 9 and 1 in 11 starts without being great. But this this was more about Boston for him and, you know, proving his value living up to that 200 million dollar contract. And again, moving forward, I think he's going to pitch more freely and if he can extend his career similar to how CC Sabathia has has extended his, I think that's going to help him out in the future. So congratulations again to David Price. Again, keep keep doing the uh, I'm this, this is where I show my older millennial stuff. I, what is the dance called? Is it's it's like the towel rub or something? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm this is this is bad. I played like one game of Fortnite in my life. I came top twenty because I couldn't find anyone else on my crappy laptop, and and the the wave got me. But I am a I am a top twenty average player in Fortnite, so I guess I can hold that forever. We will hold on to some lessons learned from this World Series and how it can help the Blue Jays going forward right after this break. Okay. So what takeaway like we talked about some takeaways for former Blue Jays in the World Series. Now now let's talk about what takeaways the current Blue Jays can draw from this World Series. And I know the first one that a lot of pessimistic fans are going to point to, why bother trying in the next five years while Boston has this juggernaut team? A lot of their guys are locked up. Pierce and Eovaldi, their trade acquisitions, are probably the biggest name free agents that they're going to have moving forward, aside from Craig Kimbrell. And they may even look at moving on from Craig Kimbrell, just the way he kind of faltered late. They, they fixed what he was doing and and the way he was supposedly tipping pitches to make him just as effective 
in the playoffs, but going forward, you you look at Kimbrell, and he's a guy who has a lot of wear and tear on his arm. You know, starting uh, his his closing role in Atlanta. You know, when he was 21, he's 30 now, so that's nine high usage years. You he was an all star this year, but the way he faltered down the stretch, you wonder if maybe Dave Dombrowski starts to look elsewhere for a guy to come in there. And no, there isn't a lot available on the free agent market if they choose to go that route. Probably the most tantalizing option is Adam Odovino, the former Colorado reliever, who's got like the nastiest slider in the majors. But you also have to try and counterbalance with how effective that's going to be and how effective Kimbrel's going to be going forward. Because going into the World Series, the bullpen for the Red Sox was thought to be the problem. Now, Cora did a great job managing that by using his starters in high-leverage situations, getting the most out of the guys he did have. Joe Kelly, you could, you could have put his name for MVP. He pitched in every single game. Did not give up a run. Struck out 10 guys in 6 innings. Kelly was dominant. And he's also a free agent as well. So Boston's going to have to do a lot of work on that bullpen. To make sure it's going to be back to where it needs to be. So they're not perfect. They're not going to be... Again, this this immovable force in the AL East. It's going to be tough for the Blue Jays to be able to move forward with it. And, and contend immediately, but the Blue Jays aren't trying to contend immediately. They're not looking to contend next year. They're looking to contend 2020, 2021. And by then, you don't know what happens. Maybe Boston decides to trade one of its outfielders. Maybe Xander Bogart starts to slow down a little bit. He had a miserable World Series. He only batted 136. Maybe Brock Holt has to be an everyday guy, and he doesn't prove to be as capable of doing that. There are a lot of ways this Boston team can falter. It's likely going to happen around the pitching. They're they're going to have that outfield for a while, though. So that's going to be the big thing, is making sure you can beat them in a tight game, being able to manufacture those runs when the big blasts aren't coming. Because you, you can beat Boston with big blasts, but more than likely you're going to have to beat them at their own game. And that's being able to generate runs, being able to hit for contact, being able to move runners. And again, that's what Boston was able to do. They were such a complete team. When one avenue of victory wasn't there, they just found another one. When their pitching had a bad day, they just hit, just continued to churn out base hits and make up for it. When the sluggers weren't able to find home runs, they they got a dominant outing from a, from a Rick Porcello, from a Chris Sale. And, and just able to continuously turn that around like that. Now, what can the Blue Jays learn from that? They're going to have to find more pitching. Shock. They're, they're going to have to hope that the pitchers they do have develop in time to be arms that can take pressure off the offense when it's having a bad day. Maybe Vlad Guerrero Jr. has an 0-4 day, and you're not generating runs away that you thought you would. You have to be able to throw someone out there who you can depend on to keep things close. Now, are Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez still that kind of pitcher? That's what 2019 is going to be for. That's They're going to be thrown out there to try and prove they can be that David Price, that Chris Sale type. Otherwise, 
it's more likely the Blue Jays will have to start using their capita to try and find starting pitching, which will be difficult to do. A lot of the players making it to the market are injured or are already earmarked for the Yankees. So get ready to face Patrick Corbin a lot next year. And I don't think the Blue Jays are going to be looking for for guys who they don't think are going to be around. I know people want to bring Jay Hat back, but Hat may be better served signing it like a two-year deal or something with a team that thinks it's on the come up. Maybe the Phillies, who he started his career with. Maybe he goes back to Houston, which would kind of suck, but Houston has a couple holes in its rotation with Dallas Keuchel and Charlie Morton hitting free agency. So there are options there. And and the Blue Jays can take a run at one of these guys who may have depressed their value a bit. Maybe Dallas Keuchel is on their radar and they think he can find his Cy Young form again. Maybe they make that trade with the Yankees to get Sonny Gray and hope he can start showing what he had in Oakland again once he's out of the bright lights of New York City. There, there are ways to do that, but that's going to be key for Toronto moving forward is that they know they have bats that they're going to be able to bank on. They have Vlad Jr. They have Bo Bichette. They have Randall Grichuk showing up well. They have Danny Jansen. They have Lourdes Gurriel. They have a lot of the bats in place, similar bats to what Boston had developed. So it's just going to be a matter of finding the pitching. And again, that's going to be the big thing in 2019. It's going to be the big thing for the new manager, Charlie Montoyo, to be able to develop. And we're going to talk about that more in the second edition of Locked On Blue Jays coming later today. But, you know, thank you for checking out the first episode of November, the first post 2018 season episode. Thank you for checking it out. If you want to follow us on Twitter, Follow Locked On Jays. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Follow me at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. I'll still be posting things during the off season. So, you know, anytime you want to have some Blue Jays banter, check me out. Check out JaysFromTheCouch.com. Going through all all the players posting their highs and lows during the off season, so you can get the full comprehensive reviews of your players. And work has already started on the 2019 guide to the Toronto Blue Jays with the site. So, you know, start saving up your hard-earned dollars for that. We'll, we'll have some interesting stuff in there. So, again, thank you for joining me on this episode of Locked On Jays. And for everyone here at the Locked On Podcast Network, I've been Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for li- listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.